taught you to hate the texture of your hair? Who taught you to hate the color of your skin? We are exploited. We are downtrodden. We are denied not only civil rights, but even human rights. So the only way we're going to get some of this oppression and exploitation away from us or aside from us is come together against the common enemy. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me today on Pull the Pin. Special shout out to the family at What You Expect for bringing you this podcast. It's been a it's been a big week for me um, as I was not only able to drop episode one of this podcast, I was also able to get my first column up uh, thanks to the great work of Editor-in-Chief uh, Ty Foster. If you haven't already, definitely take a moment to give it a read. It goes over Biden's potential nominees for his running mate this year. And for those who haven't been paying much attention, I think it's a great primer to get you started for election season. So definitely give it a look. In other news, uh, I spent an abhorrent amount of time explaining what I didn't think needed to be explained this week. Right. I'm going to get I'm just going to get hot off the top. Right. I'm a a surprising and quite frankly unsettling amount of friends and colleagues that I have um, were publicly agreeing and defending the candidate's misguided statements. Um, I want to place a caveat in there because I'm actually I could be attacking a straw man right now. I think a lot of folks haven't actually listened to the interview or read the entire transcript and they might just be defending snippets of the conversation that might make sense to them if taken out of context or maybe they heard the whole interview and only wanted to address the parts that they agree with that's a different problem altogether but either way i I, nick Nick candace misguided statements and i use the word misguided because i don't want to call him anti-semitic I find it hard to believe that Nick Cannon, so late in his career, after years of collecting checks from Viacom, I'm sure there's Jew- Jewish people at Viacom, um, suddenly decided Jews were endangering and threatening and usurping black identity. I'm not sure I believe it. Like I, I mentioned in my last podcast, I truly commend my black brothers and sisters uh, for seeking to educate themselves, particularly on our history, but. Uh, make sure you're doing the adequate work to research everyone's history, um, especially a community like the Jewish folks that have lived so close to ours um, here in America. So while I commend folks for educating themselves with so much bad info out there, I think it's really important that we take time to discern truth um, from falsehoods and um, love from hate. Um, not to sound uh, not to sound cliche or anything like that. Those folks that know me, um, I'm not a cliche bot at all. But if you're going to go all the way back to pre-Jesus, I'd urge you to just look back to the 1960s. I mean, 1950s, 1960s, right there. You know, when black folk in America were fighting for freedoms in the South and the white allies that we had were from the Jewish community. It's so easy for us to forget that if Jewish kids 
that that it was Jewish kids. Excuse me, just hit the mic. It was it was Jewish kids from New York um, that were killed in Mississippi alongside black folk trying to get black people registered to vote in the 1960s. Rabbi Abraham Heschel was actually marching arm's length with MLK in Selma, I believe. You know, they were the first to recognize the pain and the struggle for the freedom that we're facing. Why? Jews have literally been persecuted and reduced to second-class citizens at every point in history in about every nation in the world, except America. And even that one is kind of, you know, I believe most of the issues um, and tension between the two communities have arisen the last 30 or 40 years. There were the Crown Heights riots. You guys should definitely check that out. If you're going, if you're going to be speaking on these topics and stuff, you should definitely got to read about the Crown Heights riots um, in Brooklyn. So most of the tension has been growing out since then. And, um, that's right around the time that classes began to separate during the financial, during and after the financial boom of the 1980s, I'd say. Um, the Jewish folks who had owned businesses and lived amongst black people for years um, in the communities where they owned those businesses, they began to amass wealth just from financial, financial prudence and uh, the favorable laws here in America that make America such a, a financial haven, right? And most of that was under Reagan. They wanted to spur growth after growth had really stagnated, um, had really stagnated under Jimmy Carter. So at this point, it became fairly easy for black people to point the finger at the face of what we saw capitalism to be, right? The Jewish landlord, the Jewish business owner, laundromats, restaurants, what have you, grocery store. And throughout history, that's been the pattern here. We've consistently seen these tropes arise. And then, you know, when it's ultimately the banks and thereby Congress, that really hamstrung business and landlords in black neighborhoods in the first place. These things are tricky, man. These things are tricky. It was very hard for, for a, a landlord in a black community to secure funding for those properties. Banks never thought they were going to get their money back. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar actually put out a great article this week for The Hollywood Reporter. I actually want to talk about that because over the years, I've found Kareem's newfound voice in super old age in perspective enlightening. Uh, for those who don't know Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, he's one of the greatest basketball t- players of all time. Uh, he was from an era of athletes, including Jim Brown, Bill Russell, and Muhammad Ali, that really put their careers on the line and financial viability on the line during a, t- a very turbulent time in American history of uh, fighting for black rights. Uh, Kareem has admitted to previously being an anti-Semitic. Um, he grew up in Harlem in the 50s and 60s, I believe, and um, he harbored a lot of these views I just outlined previously, you know, and what I love is that no one ever canceled him. You know, he, he's someone who continues to educate himself 
and he's arrived at a point where he's been enlightened to speak on these things. And because he's already fought on the front lines of the civil rights movement, because he sacrificed so much and was willing to put so much on the line, um, he knows what the hell he's talking about when he speaks on racial matters in America. So um, something he said really stuck out to me in his piece. He said, these famous outspoken people, and he's speaking about Stephen Jackson, Deshaun Jackson, and Nick Cannon. These famous outspoken people share the same scapegoat logic as all oppressive groups from Nazis to the KKK. All our troubles are because bad apple groups that worship wrong, have the wrong complexion, come from the wrong country, are the wrong gender, or love the wrong gender. It's so disheartening to see people from groups that have been violently marginalized do the same thing to others without realizing that perpetuating this kind of bad logic is what perpetuates racism. You know, I, I, I cracked the joke during the week that Kareem must have heard my, my podcast, but for real, this is what I've been trying to say is that as a black folk, we got we should be the last people perpetuating that kind of logic. No matter how you want to justify it in your head. You can't. You know, I said if you believe Nick Cannon was right, you can't claim Black Lives Matter. Right? Because then you're co-signing everything he said. You can't just co-sign one part of it. When Donald Trump gets up there and says that racist stuff. Okay? We hear his supporters. They they act like they didn't hear it. They hear the stuff that they want to hear. And we can't do the same thing. Okay, so if you co-sign Nick Cannon, you're either co-signing everything he was saying and what Professor Griff was saying thereby, because he was co-signing on him. And one of the things that they said was, (laughs) white people are actually closer to animals or savages. And that mindset, however, whatever he chose, however he chooses to justify it, whatever we can agree white people historically have done to other races okay it's literally the founding basis of what racism is towards blacks the only thing that's missing is a power dynamic and a lot of us get away with oh like we don't have the power we don't have the power well if we did have the power then what would you then cease to say the things that you're saying right now To agree with Nick is to say the concept of racism is not wrong. Only the deployment of racism should not. It shouldn't be us blacks that are subjugated. It should be X. And that is wrong. It's wrong. That's literally against everything that Black Lives Matter as a statement is supposed to stand for. Considering we're fighting for equality and the dismantling of the status quo and not simply a reversal of it. The folks that are real proponents of white supremacy, racism, and the subjugation of black people argue that if blacks had the power, we would only subjugate them. Right? (laughs) That's the driving factor in white flight. It's the driving factor in how black wealth has been sabotaged throughout history, i.e. the Tulsa massacre. It's the impetus for, excuse me, it's the impetus for Donald Trump's flagrant, flagrantly 
racist diatribe in the Rose Garden this past week. I don't know if y'all heard it. I'm probably going to write about it later this week, but he, he railed against Democrats claiming they wanted to abolish windows, whatever that means, and abolish the suburbs. Driving down property values, bringing crime, et cetera, et cetera. All that dog whistle shit. It's steeped in that fear, that fear of black people taking over and, 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 and inflicting payback for the sins of their fathers. And that's what perpetuates it. So as a movement, we cannot move forward if we're still harboring these kind of views within our ranks. <laughs> right? Um, and when such views presents itself, we must be the ones to call it out. Keep in mind that it's the Fox Newses of the world that'll be the first to hop on the comments of Ice Cube or Nick Cannon. But when Donald Trump claims the three Jewish billionaires are rigging the election, the dog whistle goes unnoticed. Okay? We all see that. So that should be a clue to us black people that the people that are piling on Nick Cannon are not piling on Nick Cannon because they are protecting the Jews, because they actually do not care when certain people say really, really anti-Semitic stuff. It's when black people say it. And the reason why they do it when black people say it is because they're looking for an opportunity to discredit the Black Lives Matter movement. That's really what it's all about. They point to Dwayne Wade or Steven Jackson defending anti-Semitic comments and say, look, hypocrisy. These are the people speaking out against George Floyd, but they're just like us. And I can't excuse that behavior. And the folks that don't care are acting like they care just to get score political points. But we must be better. Whether you believe black people are the real Hebrews or what have you, I'm not going to argue that stuff, man. Because honestly, I'm, I don't really see myself ever really diving into my personal religious beliefs on here. All right, so I don't even want to want to get into whether or not you believe the black people are the real Hebrews and what have you. But what I can tell you is the, most of the black folks in America come from West Africa. All right. But if your guiding principle to whatever your belief system is and whatever your learning is, is that we're not all equal. And don't fix your lips to say black lives matter. Uh, you might not see it, but that logic, like Kareem said, is just as bad as the Nazis and the KKK. The affected is just a little different. They're lacking pigment. And ultimately, we want equity and equality, not revenge. Injustice for one is an injustice for all. So let's pull the pen. All right, all right. Thank you again for joining me on Pull the Pin, brought to you by What You Expect. Um, uh, let's dive a little bit into the news stories of the week. Uh, first, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Washington football team story. 
Uh, they're back in the news this week, and it's not for the racist ass nickname they have either. All right? Nope, nope, nope. Uh, the funny thing is, they were actually going to announce a new nickname and mascot this week. Uh, but Monday uh, came and went. And the only thing we heard uh, was some whispers that someone in Alexandria, Virginia may have caught Dan Snyder slipping by trademarking uh, like 25 potential team names before the actual team was able to. Which I find hilarious, by the way, right? Because, I mean, for one, that's what they get for not being serious about this shit in the first place, right? If they'd actually changed the name when people was asking them to, none of this would have happened. Because they had to get forced to change the name to stop being racist we were able to we we're able to read the release right somebody went out there was on social media all weekend saw the names i was percolating went down to the city hall got them things uh trademarked so now that's been on that's been put on pause that's really when my eyes start ringing because listen that's not why they're in the, that's not why they're in the news this week, all right? That's not even why we're here. Last weekend, the Redskins fired two executives, Richard Mann II, Alex Santos. On Wednesday, longtime radio announcer um, and host Larry Michael promptly, quote-unquote, retired. Monday was the day that they were supposed to announce the new team name. Monday came and went, no team name announced. I thought that was odd. Thursday morning, we woke up to whispers that Washington, the Washington Post was working on a huge report, an explosive report on the Washington football team. And at that point, alarm bells started ringing, ding, 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 ding. I knew it was going to be something I had to talk about this, this week. Um, but it also made sense why they probably held off on dropping this uh New team name news. And I'll talk, get into the implications of why that's such a big deal in a minute. But on Thursday, the Washington Post reported that 17 women, including 15 former team employees, told the Washington Post they were sexually harassed by team executives and members of the football staff. The women say they experienced unwanted sexual overtures. Um, they were asked to wear revealing clothing. They sent them nasty text messages and were subject to all types of verbal and borderline physical abuse, to be honest with you. Uh, some really crazy things that that happened that jumped out to me when I was reading this. And there's no laughing matter, but some of this shit is just so weird. Um, men and a group of male employees once debated about whether a female employee had breast enhancement surgery and then asked her about it. I uh, The post published the text messages that detailed the advances from a male executives and one um he said nice shirt and then when the, the woman asked asked him what he meant he said lame boob joke real or fake is the debate like dude another executive dennis green implored female sales staff to wear low-cut blouses tight skirts and flirt with wealthy sweet holders um according to five former employees uh, this, the crazy stuff just goes on and on and on. Uh, uh, here's another one. There was an inside joke in the building that new female hires were told to avoid the center staircase because male staffers were known to stand at the bottom so they could look up the skirts as they walked down. 
Like this stuff is is unacceptable. And back in 2018, some of y'all might remember, um, the New York Times reported that the Washington cheerleaders were were pressured into nude photo shoots in Costa Rica while suite holders and sponsors, um, all white men, by the way, looked on. And the nine of them were actually told they had to be nude escorts for the night. Crazy. It's, it's, this stuff is absurd. And Dan Snyder still has his football team. Like some really troubling things here, but none of us, the, the, the messed up thing is none of us are particularly surprised. That's the crazy part about everything, right? The Redskins are bad, right? Like bad, bad. They ruin careers. Players, coaches, and Dan Snyder just keeps making money hand over fist. But I think this is it for him, man. Like there's all different kinds of implications here. Like first, he's going to have to sell, right? I mean, he has to. Uh, Jerry Richardson got forced out the door in Carolina for similar stuff. Um, some race, definitely some race stuff in between there. And they buried that stuff real fast. Got him about the door before anybody could start asking questions. Right? Um, I don't know if Dan Snyder's going to go that easy. Right? He does not, he does not look like he's going to be forced out that smooth he's not nearly as old as jerry as jerry richardson was and he grew up a redskins fan so the second implication here was last week they said they were going to change the name of the team that's a huge undertaking that's a million dollar marketing undertaking um two months before the football season okay but if this stuff comes out and we don't really know what the backlash is going to be yet, okay? If this stuff comes out and Dan Snyder has to sell the team, they ain't going to let him change the name of the team they gonna, if he's going to sell it. <laughs> you, you think you think they're going to let Dan Snyder name the cha- the, change the name of the team on his way out? You know, and it, it also kind of sheds light on why Dan Snyder might have caved to the pressure to even change the name in the first place. From the Washington racial slurs, I know I actually said it. Sometimes it slips. My apologies, but he changed the name from the Washington racial slurs to he wants to change it now to something else, right? Besides, besides the fact that Fred Smith from Fe- FedEx flexed on him, why else would he have finally caved? I'm starting to think that he knew this article was coming out, and like all powerful men. The money started talking. You see, we seen minority owners a couple of weeks ago talk about they wanted they wanted to sell sell a stake in their team. I thought it was because of the name. Now we're finding out exactly why they want to sell a stake um, their stake in the team, and no one wants to buy that shit. And it really has me thinking about how prevalent these toxic cultures must be in professional sports organizations in their adjacent adjacent ecosystems. Because the thing that really jumps out to me. With this whole story that's a lot deeper than this thing's a lot deeper than just some team employees, right? You know, I'm seeing a radio show host, uh, sponsors, sweet holders. On the victim side, I'm I'm seeing a reporter from the athletic getting sexually harassed in full view of employees. I'm seeing a former reporter from the Washington Times being harassed by Alex Santos. That to me means and it reads to be an ecosystem of toxic culture, sexual harassment, and deviant behavior. So yes, the owner has to go down for this. 
But furthermore, I'm thinking there's got to be a reckoning in the NFL, right? Something tells me that this has to be much more widespread than we can believe. But I'm also of the mindset that this particular organization is run in a particularly despicable way that makes this much more expected with this team than anywhere else, right? I, I'm, but I'm definitely interested to see how that shakes out and how Dan Snyder survives this. Otherwise, I really can't think of a better situation for the NFL to have, right? A super valuable franchise, one of the most valuable franchises in the NFL. That's saying a lot. Um, they have a mostly loyal fan base because they haven't been doing a whole lot of winning in the last 30 years, but they've just now kind of given up on the team, right? So they, they're, they're there. They can come back. And then on top of that, you get a blank slate marketing-wise. Choosing a new team name in the nation's capital? <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, billionaires are getting their bread in order. That's for sure. So I don't know what the NFL is going to do. I mean, luckily for them, um, the United States can't get their shit together. So COVID's still going crazy. We actually don't know when there's going to be NFL football games. So... They can kind of drag drag their feet on this one. But the NFL got to get Dan Snyder up out the paint, man. Um, these things are not going to go away. Um, they have non-disclosure agreements that currently the Redskins, uh, I keep saying it, the racial slurs uh, are currently refusing to null and void. I'm um, going to see how long that holds up. If those non-disclosure agreements come down and these women start talking, this thing is only going to get worse. So I'm sure the NFL is now looking at how they're going to get Dan Snyder up out the paint. And it's not going to be easy because Dan Snyder is one of the the longest tenured owners in the NFL. So uh, we're, we're definitely going to stand back. We're going to watch and we're going to see what happens. You wore a mask for the first time in public yeah. at Walter Reed this weekend. Mm-hmm. Question, the CDC says if everybody wore a mask for four to six weeks, we could get this under control. Do you regret not wearing a mask in public from the start? And would you consider, will you consider a national mandate that people need to wear masks? No, I want people to have a certain freedom, and I don't believe in that, no. And I don't agree with the statement that if everybody wear a mask, everything disappears. Hey, Dr. Fauci said, don't wear a mask. Our Surgeon General, terrific guy, said, don't wear a mask. Everybody was saying, don't wear a mask. All of a sudden, everybody's got to wear a mask. And as you know, masks cause problems, too. With that being said, I'm a believer in masks. I think masks are good. You've seen deaths up in New York, deaths up in Chicago, shootings. How do you explain it, and what are you going to do about it? I explain it very simply by saying they're Democrat-run cities. They're liberally run. They're stupidly run. Liberal Democrats have been running cities in this country for decades. Poorly. Why is it so bad right now? Uh, They've run them poorly. It was always bad, but now it's gotten totally out of control. And it's really because they wanted to fund the police. And Biden wants to fund fund the police. Sir, he does not. Look, he signed a charter with Bernie Sanders. It Redo says nothing about defunding the oh, police. Oh, really? It says abolish. It says defund. Let's go. All right. Get, well, me, you, get you, me the charter, please. <laughs> All right. Oh, my God. That's Donald Trump being interviewed by Chris Wallace. Um, 
an interview that aired on Fox News just this Sunday morning. And I, I wanted to share that with you. I wanted to put that on there just to highlight a little bit of how incompetent the current president of the United States is. And the reason why I wanted to bring that up, not to, to belabor the point, because I think I brought that up last week, and it's something I talk about more often than I'd like to. But the, I want to focus in on the last thing that he was saying, a little bit about the defund the police stuff, and then Chris Wallace kind of checked them on it because it's fake. What he's saying is a lie. Uh, uh, Joe Biden uh, absolutely has not come out in support of defunding the police and um what donald trump said is just a lie and what he said about masks is just a lie and everything he says is a lie and right now things are so bad for him that the powers at that be are going to start lying to you Okay, they're going to start lying to you about what Joe Biden does and does not stand for. Okay, Um, and the reason why they're going to lie to you is because they know that, you know, that Donald Trump ain't shit. They're going to know they know that, you know, that Donald Trump is a terrible, 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 terrible president. Um, That's not for debate. Okay, what they want you to think is. Joe Biden is just as bad. I and listen, man, I'm no big fan of Joe Biden. And I think even saying that does some damage to a degree. But not when it's immediately followed up by this. Donald Trump, for another week in a row, has been perpetuating overtly racist demagogic narratives from the White House, from the Resolute Desk, from the Rose Garden, from whenever he gets in front of a microphone, he's just going to say stupid shit. He came out last week, he said something about police brutality, saying that white people are killed by police more than black people. Um, Which is just completely intellectually dishonest um not to say that donald trump is intellectual nor not dishonest but it's just a joke because we know white people are 60 percent of the country so of course more white people are killed by the police in raw numbers but black people are disproportionately killed by police okay we we all know that that's not still really for debate i don't think Um, But he's saying that anyway, because it speaks to this 30 percent of the country that he thinks is going to support him no matter what. Right. And their gamble is that that 30 percent is going to come out at a near 100 percent clip. And the other 70 percent, they're going to be able to whittle down our enthusiasm to somewhere around 50 percent. And if they can get enough of, of us to not vote or just be empathetic i mean apathetic excuse me then they can win they can win and i just want to warn um particularly the people who are just getting into politics and might not know joe biden 
and might have a certain level of um, of distrust and mistrust of uh, the United States um, government, the voting system, and what have you. Let's take a look at it from the top. The system isn't broken. It was built this way. The only way to beat the system is at its own game. Okay. And while we can say we haven't done so yet, I don't think we've ever actually stuck to the plan. And what the plan is, is not just coming out to vote for the presidential election, but coming out for the in-between elections as well. Not just caring about who runs the president, but also caring about that local government um, position that's that's up for grabs because those are the things that actually affect our existence on a day-to-day level, right? Not just on the large, um, the larger policy level, but these things matter. Okay. If just 20,000 more people voted Donald Trump wouldn't be in office right now. And, um, Hillary Clinton, as annoying as she is, as much as I don't like her, um, for the same reasons I really didn't care for Bill Clinton. Like these people were just, you know, very swampy creatures, um, she, we'd be better off right now. We'd be better off by, right now because she's an adult. We don't have an adult in the White House. And honestly, if there was another option, um, a John Kasich or what have you, fine, go crazy. But now our choices are between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And I said it last week. I'm going to say it again because it came up this week. All right. There's a lot of fake news floating around stuff coming from the Russian bots are going to be there's going to be another pizza parlor pedophile ring I'm sure is going to involve Joe Biden Ellen DeGeneres uh, LeBron James and whomever else you want to include right um people are going to share it particularly black folks are going to share it all that's whatever there's only one person in this binary choice that is actively stoking racism in this country because he wants to win at all costs. There's only one person that's actively soliciting help from a foreign government. Only one. There's only one person that lies every single day. And there's only one of those people that have continuously botched responding to COVID-19. Only one of them. Like our existence as Americans is at stake right now. And those people that are equivocating between Donald Trump and Joe Biden as being a part of a system that needs to be broken down and destroyed. Fine, fine, fine. I I don't disagree, but this election ain't the time, bruh. It's not. It's just not. Stay focused. Stay focused. Listen to that clip in the beginning. This man is a madman. He's a madman. So. I'm not a big fan of Joe Biden. But I am a big fan of this country, believe it or not. And I'm willing to be critical, critical of it because I love it so much. And if you love America, (laughs) I mean, let's get an adult in the room. 
Now, I actually had planned to talk about a lot more different um, topics this week. As I was getting ready to plan this podcast and um, get my subjects and everything in order. Uh, Congressman John Lewis, John Robert Lewis, uh, passed away on Friday at the age of 80 years old from uh, stage four pancreatic cancer. Like um, the folks that know me, I I lived in Atlanta for three years after college, and uh, I was actually fortunate enough to meet um, Congressman Lewis. And um, so, yeah, man, the man is a legend. So it's one of those things that whatever you're going to talk about immediately doesn't matter as much. Right. So while I, I still wanted to take those couple of minutes in the beginning of my podcast to to really talk about something that needed to be landed. The conversational piece of this podcast, I, I just wanted to start off by remembering John Lewis, um, he's someone that I became familiar with for the first time. When I moved out to Atlanta, can you imagine? Like I, I went to school in South Orange, New Jersey. They they say it's a great school system here. I n- had no idea who John Lewis was. All right, no idea. John Lewis was the young face of the civil rights movement that was led by Dr. Martin Luther King. Okay, he was the aggressive um fervent in your face just bulldog type of uh civil rights fighter but non-violent but non-violent you know and it's funny that at the time he was being told by the by the older guys by the Andrew Youngs by the Martin Luther Kings to calm down a little bit you know um not to be so forward but they they say if you live long enough you you get to see yourself turn to be a villain right and it wasn't long before john lewis's nonviolent message was usurped by the black power movement um he was actually replaced by stokely carmichael uh It's it's really it's really astonishing to think about that John Lewis, uh, the child of of Georgia sharecroppers, maybe it was Alabama, Alabama sharecroppers. Uh, these terrible things that happened to him, you know, he was arrested forty times. From 1960 to 1966, he was repeatedly beaten senseless by Southern policemen and freelance hoodlums during the freeing riots in 1961. Um, He was left unconscious in the pool of his own blood outside the Greyhouse bus terminal, Montgomery, Alabama, after he was attacked by hundreds of white people. Like these things happened like 60 years ago. Okay, and he's maybe a generation or two removed from slave from slaves. Like these things were not 
that long ago. And it's very interesting um, when you look at John Lewis's record. You know, he was. He's often regarded as a conscious of Congress, right? Um, to some, that means a lot to others, not much. But what it did mean to me was that he was someone who called himself unwaveringly liberal. He stuck to he stuck to his beliefs. Um, he believed in investing in our communities. He believed in standing up for injustice. Okay. Um, he actually refused to take part in the Million Man March in Washington in 1995. Okay. He 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 felt the statements made by the organizer Louis Farrakhan, leader of Nation of Islam. Um, sound familiar? The last couple of weeks, right? He called them divisive and bigoted. So it's 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 something to consider. Um, I actually want to use this opportunity to to really think about the message of the civil rights movement in the 1960s, the message of nonviolence, um, the the belief that America is fundamentally good, the belief that America cannot be great unless we lift up the poor. The belief that all men are fundamentally equal. It didn't take long for John Lewis's beliefs to fall out of favor in our own community. You know, while he did um, win every election in Atlanta by a landslide, um, pretty much unchallenged since he won that seat. I'd say a, a lot of the new generation would have grown impatient with the way John Lewis and his generation were approaching the matters of civil rights. And I, what I, I just implore everyone um, at a time when we're all remembering John Lewis as a hero, um, as a black hero, as an American hero, I think it's very um, prudent for us to take a little time and think about the message that he was that he was always trying to convey. Right, sticking by your morals. In 2001, he skipped the inauguration of George W. Bush, saying that he thought Bush, who had become president after the Supreme Court halted the vote recount, had not been really elected. Like he was always about that life. In 2017, he did the same thing with, with Donald Trump. He questioned the legitimacy of the president after um, Russia meddled. Like, he never he never cared. I'm 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 very curious to see if the folks in our community and the black community. Um, people my age and younger that are f currently in the streets fighting will t take a little time to to look at the things that John Lewis stood for the true meaning of love and his message because this man was a preacher he was an ordained minister 
and see how we could harness that message and make sure that Black Lives Matter movement isn't the victim of sloganeering or of internal divisiveness like what we've seen this past week. And there's one quote of John Lewis that really sticks with me and I'm going to leave it there. It's Do not get lost in a sea of despair. Be hopeful. Be optimistic. Our struggle is not the struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It is the struggle of a lifetime. Never, ever be afraid to make some noise and get in good trouble. Necessary trouble. Congressman John Robert Lewis. Rest in perfect peace. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. You've been listening to Pull the Pin with Kevin E. Joma, brought to you by What You Expect at whatyouexpect.com. We try to do this every week for you, bring it to you by the weekend. Thank you for staying with me. We'll be getting better every time. In the meantime, stay informed, stay educated. And keep the love, most importantly. Peace.